Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. It's Friday, everyone. Welcome in to another episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, the fourth in the last two days. Um, had two emergency podcasts yesterday with uh, a lot of breaking news at Roller Coaster Day in Gamecock Nation with uh, the sad, sad news, devastating news that Marshawn Lloyd out for the season with a torn ACL, suffered in a non-contact drill in practice. Uh, so we were breaking all that down. Hail McGranahan of the Bigspur.com and I. And uh, then lo and behold, later in the afternoon, you get the Spurs up tweet. Uh, and it's a five-star quarterback from the class of 2022, Gunnar Stockton, deciding to make his decision to commit to South Carolina early. Uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, the number one dual-threat quarterback in the country per 24-7 sports composite, top 30 player overall. Um, certainly an, an impactful talent for down the road. You know, quarterbacks commit early. Uh, those of you that remember, I guess, uh, you know, Luke Doty committed pretty early for the Gamecocks. Brandon McElwain relatively early committed to the Gamecocks. Um, and you go on and on and on. You know, you look around at other schools, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, both were early commits to Clemson. So it happens. And uh, I think if you're going to, I guess, go and um, recruit this early and get commitments, then I, I like your chances of holding on to a quarterback better than the other ones because it's a domino effect. Everybody's got their 2022 quarterback board at least right now. Uh, and so you're looking at it and other schools are like, all right, well, we'll cross Gunner Stockton off. It's almost like basketball recruiting where there's a limited number of, of spots and you really don't try to flip guys in basketball. Flips happen, but they're more rare than in football. Football, everybody keeps recruiting everybody. Quarterback, maybe not so much, you know, because they they, they kind of have to go get their own guys for the class because you want to sign one every cycle. Um, and I say all that to say this. Obviously, his relationship with Mike Bobo played a big factor in him committing. Uh, the fact that Connor Shaw uh, is on his uh, on the staff at Carolina – um, played a factor. Jay Bo Shaw is his coach. Connor Shaw is a player that he grew up idolizing. Um, so it's kind of a trickle-down effect. You know, Connor Shaw grew up idolizing Steve Spurrier, came to Carolina because of that. Uh, Gunnar Stockton grows up idolizing Connor Shaw, <laughs> comes to Carolina because of that. I say all that to say this. If there's a coaching change, which this is something that obviously we can talk about once the season kind of gets here and the ins and outs of where the program is competitively on the field, you know, I don't like the Gamecocks' chances of holding on to it. You never say never, but recruiting, as I've said many times, is all about comfort level that's facilitated by relationships, and his relationship with the current coaches uh, is strong. Um, you know, and, and so we can talk about sort of once we get to that point, you know, does it make sense to keep coaches because of recruiting and all that good stuff? And when I think you guys know my – opinion on that but what a special pickup for the Gamecocks uh, a jolt of good news after bad news yesterday um, that was big time that was big time talked a little bit yesterday on the emergency pod too about how where they go from here with Marshawn Lloyd a little more information on that you know just talking to some contacts they you know you don't replace a guy like Lloyd but you know you don't replace 
you know, even if you have more top playmakers than one, you know, you don't necessarily just replace those guys either. You know, even if you're Alabama and you got tons of depth or whatever, you know, you, you want your guys. So that's um, that's kind of the deal there. But uh, it's it's not like everybody's getting down saying, "Oh crap, the season's over." Um, I can tell you that as far as the installation of the offense, and this has been mentioned over and over again by the coaches, um, and I think you got to kind of pound it home because you know I think we all fans, analysts like myself, coaches, whatever our calendar in our head is all messed up. <laughs> you know, I wake up, it doesn't feel like August 21st right now. Um, you know, and we still got a month before the season and Mike Bobo mentioned that, but what he and Muschamp and Rob T. Rob and everybody who spoke with the media has mentioned uh, is that the, the, the NCAA allowed them to work with a ball and do a bunch of walkthroughs before they started practice uh, to make up for spring ball. And so they feel like they're ahead with installation uh, as far as the offense goes. And, and that's always a concern going into a season, especially if you don't have a lot of time to prepare, is, you know, well, you didn't have spring ball. You know, what, how is this going to work out? Well, they did. They actually had an equivalent of spring ball just without the pads to where they could spend a bunch of time installing. And that's with the freshmen, too. So it actually ends up better. Um, I think the coaches kind of like this better than maybe um, – maybe uh, the normal schedule. So, uh, by the way, Florida's players that we're going to opt out, um, opting back in right now, Zach Carter's back in, Trevon Grimes is back in. They expect Kendarius Tony to opt back in. Maybe the other one won't, Hammond. But looks like, uh, yet again, Florida will, will sneak past a potential offseason crisis and have their full allotment of guys when the Gamecocks go down to the swamp. In week two, I, I just yeah, I, I I don't know that the Gamecocks can't go down there and win. To be honest, even if they are at full strength, Carolina's competed with them very well the last two years. Um, I don't think anybody in Florida is talking about the South Carolina game and having that circled. I think they got bigger fish to fry. Um, so we will see. You know, we will see what happens, especially if Carolina beats Tennessee in the opener. Look out! I think that could that could get really interesting. Not predicting a victory right now, but I do think it could get interesting and. You know, people want to talk about how to find your way back to relevance. So, you know, maybe Gunnar Stockton is joined by some other, you know, national-type talent, elite talent, I say, or projected elite talent. I mean, you know, because like I said, elite talent can come from anywhere. I mean, but projected elite talent, you know, go win those two games and, and use that as a springboard for having a really successful season. Um, knock off the two media darlings from the SEC East. Uh, it'd be great if you could knock off a third in Kentucky at the end of the year, which hopefully isn't a frozen tundra game. And hopefully, I may, hopefully I'll let, let fans in by then. I'm planning on, I was planning on going to the Kentucky road trip game this year. I haven't been up there since 2010. Um, want to kind of see the remodeled stadium and all that. Um, but yeah, you beat those three teams this year and, you know, hold serve against your Missouri's and Vandy's and, you know, maybe beat Ole Miss again. I, I, I think Ole Miss, people are kind of downplaying them because they got a new coach. But he's got a lot of talent returning, and he's a good coach. You know, Lane Kiffin can make things happen. So, you know, wouldn't you know? don't downplay Ole Miss, uh, you know. But, you know, maybe you beat Ole Miss, Vandy, Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, everybody but Georgia in the East, uh, and finish six and four, maybe upset Auburn or somebody and go seven and three. 
Um, and if they have bowls, that would get you into a, an outstanding bowl. And honestly, if they had a 16-team playoff, seven and three from the SEC probably gets in. in my, or it should, playing an all-SEC schedule. But they're not going to do that. So anyway, um, that's what's happening there. They officially announced that 20,000 seats will be fulfilled at Williams-Brice Stadium. Um, they haven't uh, they haven't sort of talked about how that exactly will look. Will you be sitting with your family? Will you be sitting six feet apart from everybody? You know, my guess is, is that if you can sit with your family, your traveling party, and then you're distanced from everyone else. Um, I also have not gotten clarification on the – the suites, uh, those of you that sit in suites, and I know some of you, <laughs> uh, about you know what exactly will happen there. The rumor is that they're not they're going to be kind of exempt, but you're going to have temperature screenings and all that, and they're going to expect you to be responsible enough not to not to come to the game sick because that is tight quarters uh, up there in those suites, uh, and so we'll see what happens there. So. You know, that, that that's the deal there. So all the news that came out yesterday, Lloyd, Gunner Stockton, the seating arrangement and all that, all interesting, all good stuff. Um, and certainly made for a roller coaster of a day and a lot to consume. Probably, you know, this week so far, you know, since they announced the schedule, it's been kind of a fire hose of information, a lot more, more than we've had in a while uh, on the bigspur.com, on this podcast, whatever. Um, you know, I kind of like it that way. It keeps me from doing, you know, from uh, speculating wildly on things or, or, or doing stuff that's, you know, run of the mill, I guess. The news kind of gets you in, in this business and keeps you rolling. So I think, uh, you know, I, I think that's that, you know, 24-7 sports releases the top 25 college programs of all time. South Carolina is not in there. Um, Georgia Tech is, Clemson is, Michigan State, UCLA, Miami, Florida, Florida State. Florida State 14th of all time, I don't know. Georgia's 12th. I would not have Georgia ranked above Florida State when you're talking about all-time great programs. But maybe if you go all the way back, they're probably, you know, Florida State was a teacher's college uh, for probably the first 50 years Georgia was playing football. Nebraska, Texas, Southern Cal, Notre Dame, Michigan fourth, Bama third, Oklahoma second, and Ohio State first. So, and they cite since the turn of the century. So maybe I thought all time, maybe. Uh, they used some kind of point formula. Brad Crawford did this. Go check that out if you like to read just normal um, college football stuff. Uh, I was just curious to see who it was and how many programs in there are sort of like the Gamecocks. So I, um, I don't know. Adam Randall, the wide receiver from Myrtle Beach for 2022, had some great reactions to the Gunner Stockton thing yesterday. And I'm going to tell you what I've been hearing on him. You know, obviously with JJ Jones going to North Carolina, the Tar Heels feel like they've got kind of an in at the school. Um, I'll tell you that they, they, you know, they stand a chance to beat people on kids at Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach is close to the state of North Carolina anyway. Um, and I've got a lot of connections there. But I'll also tell you this. Don't just assume that it's North. I mean, Tennessee has done a good job with this kid. 
a good source told me Tennessee's done a good job of this kid. Now, South Carolina, right there, um, in good shape. Gunner Stockton only helps. And Randall is a guy that, uh, you know, in state wise, you know, they were kind of with JJ Jones, they were kind of lukewarm, I guess. They finally offered him. Uh, for whatever reason, they, they they weren't all that fired up about him. Randall is not. Randall got an offer. He's a priority, uh, and he's a good player. I mean, he's a really good player um, down at Myrtle Beach High School. So there's your first four-star receiver uh, that uh, Gunnar Stockton could be, uh, I guess, a factor with uh, if you uh, if you look at his tweets and his Twitter last night when John Whittle on the Big Spur put together a great – you know, exam uh, reaction piece off of social media. And I'm not a big fan of those pieces, but Whittle's last night was good because it had a lot of different perspectives. A lot of people you don't hear from that often about South Carolina. Um, and so I thought that uh, it was a really good piece. Go check it out on the big spur.com. You can join cheaply right now, VIP subscription, take you all the way through preseason camp and all the way through the season. Um, Excited about what's going on there. Excited about the podcast. Excited about some other things uh, that we're going to be doing, uh, including, uh, you know, some video stuff uh, in conjunction with the site and the podcast, more emergency pods. Um, It's going to be your home for Gamecock uh, athletics uh, on the Internet and in the podcast sphere uh, here moving forward. So appreciate all of you tuning in for that and listening. listening to what uh what i have to say i appreciate you caring about that that's uh always flattering as i get another spam phone call into my cell phone and you guys notice that these days you get like all these weird numbers pop up i had one from uh alaska call me the other day uh, would you like to subscribe i'm like oh my god so anyway they pop up i usually turn most of them down um all right so I promised you a mailbag, and you're getting a mailbag. I promised that. You had several questions that came in uh, from the email address, which is inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Didn't have any on Twitter, so that's okay. It's no problem. Uh, Twitter's, uh, Twitter's Twitter, and um, we'll get that going pretty soon. So, uh, all right. So, we will uh, we will roll with the questions, I guess, because it's a mailbag. Mailbag. You guys remember that from the Lots on the Gamecocks podcast? Mailbag. I'm probably not going to use that, that that sound here. I need a mailbag sound, though. Ah, I'll figure it out over the weekend. All right, so the first question comes in um, in the Inside the Gamecocks mailbag. For first question ever comes in from Mark. Who do you see ultimately taking the starting quarterback job? Could you see both starting at different points of the season, not including injuries? Well, your second part of your question first, Mark, I, I, I don't, I think that would be bad. Um, unless it's like the unorthodox way thing where they're both the same when they just kind of take turns and rotate. But the old saying is if you don't have a starting quarterback, you don't have any, you know, if you, have, if you have two starting quarterbacks, you don't have any. And, and so, you know, not including injuries, I don't know. Uh, I guess I could see it, but I think that would mean things are not going well. In other words, one starts out, things are not going well. 
they want to give you a boost. So they throw somebody else in there to see if they can turn it around. Um, so, so under that scenario, which would be bad, um, like Ghostbusters, what do you mean bad, Ray? Um, or Vinkman. Was it Vinkman that said that would be bad? I'm all fuzzy on this good and bad thing. Yeah, that's what, that was the line from Ghostbusters. By the way, the, the Ghostbusters Next Generation movie got punted because of COVID, which is yet another long list of the things that, you know, stink like a bag of poop because of this uh, pandemic. Uh, but still looking forward to seeing it. Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's what it's called. It's about um, Vinkman's grandson. It has Ecto-1 and all that. Probably much better than the Ghostbusters reboot with uh, you know the female cast. And no, it's not because it was just a female cast. It was a crappy movie. And I wish we could say that now that it's just a crappy movie without people thinking, it's just because it's a female cast, isn't it? No, that's not true. I thought it sucked. But I thought the remake of Point Break, I mean, I think whoever decided to remake Point Break, um, and if you listen to the intro of the show, you, you know I kind of like that movie, probably should be fired from their job. Just saying. Sorry for getting on. I got off on a tangent there. I'm, I apologize. It's Friday. I've done a million podcasts this week. You know, anyway. So to your point, Mark, could you see both Helensky and Hill starting at different points of the season, not including injuries, if it's like that, it could be really bad because that means one's not performing. Uh, they both are just kind of, eh, eh, so just throw one out there. You need somebody to take the job, you know, but could I see it? Absolutely. It's the Gamecocks. <laughs> you know, I could definitely see it happening. Um, who do I see ultimately taking the starting job? Uh, I'm, I'm very close to 50-50, and I would lean towards Colin Hill simply because of things I've been told. Um, it is not my opinion that Colin Hill is, you know, a vastly superior quarterback to Ryan Holinsky, although because I have the information, I've been trying to kind of prepare you guys for the the possibility that Colin Hill is your starter because everybody just sort of penciled Ryan in. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sitting there. I, in my opinion, I think they're, they're kind of similar. I, I, there's some things I like about Hill, some things I like about Holinsky. Holinsky and he'll both have strong arms. I mean, I think it, to me, it would just come down to who runs the offense better. Uh, who's more, you know, who's more talented, you know, raw talent wise out of high school it was probably Helensky, but you know, a lot of people missed on Hill because, you know, they, they just, for whatever reason, didn't roll through Norman and, and like him. I remember at the Shrine Bowl when he was at the Shrine Bowl where I thought this kid's going to be great. He's going to be a lot better than Colorado state. Um, but yeah, you'd have to give the edge to Holinsky in that situation as a high school quarterback. Um, so I would lean towards Colin Hill based on what I've been heard, what, what I've been heard, what I've been heard. Come on, JC, been heard, uh, based on what I've been told. And, um, you know, until I hear different, that would be my, where I would lean, but it's a battle. And Mike Bobo, you know, in meeting with the media yesterday mentioned, you know, hey, these guys are both taking first team reps. They rotate day by day. That's kind of the way you do a quarterback battle um, when you have guys competing and uh, eventually they'll name a starter. So, you know, leaning towards Hill right now. But, you know, I, I think the scrimmage in practice nine, as Will Muschamp likes to say, uh, that's going to, 
bank for some separation. And then you'll probably have one guy taking a little more reps than the other. I mean, depending on who's ahead. So that's my take right now. Um, it's going to be really fascinating to watch it unfold. Um, I'm thankful that there's that big of an intriguing storyline in fall camp. I don't know that I expected it. Um, and, and I think at the end of the day, you know, South Carolina can't lose because, because here's the thing about it. If, if, if Colin Hill wins the job, that means he's better than Ryan Holinsky right now. And that means the Gamecocks upgraded quarterback because Holinsky was obviously the starter last year. If Ryan Holinsky wins the job, that means Ryan Holinsky's gotten a lot better since last year because last year's Ryan Holinsky would not have any chance of beating Colin Hill out. Um, you know, and rightfully so as a true freshman versus a guy that's, you know, played some games. Um, and so if he wins the job, that means he's gotten a lot better. So either way, the Gamecocks upgrade over last year at quarterback, which quarterback, you know, when you talk about list of issues last year, I don't know that it was at the top of the list. I think it was more of an issue than people think because of Ryan's stats, which were not ugly. Um, and I've been told that, you know, there were some situations where, you know, you, you had some freshman quarterback moments where you over, you know, some incompletions, wrong reads, things like that. I also think there were times he was put into a terrible position. Um, totally unfair. And I'm thinking of, you know, inside the 10 plays against Missouri where you had the pick six that essentially ended the game in all hope of victory. Uh, and then against Florida, you know, where you, you, you have an ill-advised throw and a sack down there and you're running it up their butt all day. I, you know, I don't know why, you know, you don't stick with what you got. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that's the deal. I think that either way, South Carolina upgrades over last year at the position, they need to because it's, it's a really tough schedule this year. Um, and they're going to have to have good play at quarterback. And Mike Bobo said that he's been pleased with them. So we'll see. And Luke Doty is still in the mix uh, at quarterback. So, you know, don't count him out at some point this year at that position. Um Again, I think if Luke Doty ends up being the starting quarterback, that would be that's probably a bad thing. <laughs> um, but don't don't rule it out. You know, don't rule it out. All right, this is the next next question comes in from Susan. What are your thoughts about JC Horn at punt returner? He's our best corner, and I'm worried about him getting hurt. Well, I, I know everybody does that, and, and we all kind of go and well, can't can't some backup return kicks or it's great to have a kick specialist, you know, kick return specialist and all that, like they do in the NFL. But if you think about it, you know, the, the guys that are actually like fielding punts and fielding kickoffs, like Debo Samuel got hurt a lot at South Carolina, but never once was he hurt on a kickoff return. Um, Brian Edwards, you know, dinged up from time to time. I don't remember that happening because he was the punt returner. Um, Jamie Robinson was a guy people were talking about maybe taking the spot. Um, but, you know, according to T-Rob yesterday in his press conference, it looks like J.C. Horn. I did some checking on that. That's legit. J.C. Horn's one of the most explosive players on the team. Um, he's had to kind of focus on playing DB, but they've been working him at punt returner. I like it. You know, I think it's on special teams. Sometimes you have to have your best guys out there. I mean, Georgia used to let Todd Gurley return kickoffs. Um, and if you think about the injuries uh, on those plays, 
you know, they're not as frequent as people think when you're worried about a guy. Now, guys take some hits. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but guys are taking hits all the time. I mean, it's, 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 it's a violent collision sport. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind that. I, I'm intrigued a bit. Uh, I'll be intrigued by Jamie Robinson returning kicks, too. I think that that's uh, – those two guys are two of the best players on the team, and if they can help, you know, make some plays on special teams, more power to them. Um, Skip emails in. He says, I'm thinking about taking a road trip to Vanderbilt for the game October 10th and hanging out in Nashville. How hard will it be for me to get in? I think right now, ridiculous, ridiculously hard. The mayor of Nashville is a fan of lockdowns and, you know, closing businesses and things like that. And you can ask some of my friends that live there uh, about him. Um, And the Titans have already been told, you know, one of the few NFL teams, and there are other NFL teams where, you know, no fans, the Raiders have already announced it and stuff. Titans already are in the no fan zone. Um, the Nashville soccer team, professional soccer teams in the no fans. zone. they've already been told, you know, no fans. Um, and then uh, Vandy will probably be heading in that direction shortly. Now they had a COVID outbreak at Vandy uh, and had to pause practice. So, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. But I, I just, you know, by October 10th, will Nashville be able to open? I mean, yeah, you know, I think – I think eventually up there the Titans are going to have to have fans and, and you know, they're going to start pushing for it because that, that mayor's kind of on an island if you want to talk about policy uh, and things of that nature. So right now I would not advise uh, booking a trip to Nashville for the Vanderbilt road game. Now, if that changes, certainly it's a great trip. Uh, it is a lot of fun to go to Nashville. Um, I used to live there seven years, miss it miss it a lot every day it's a great place people are nice there's lots to do and usually the Gamecocks win you know at Vandy they usually they usually tear it up up there so um it's it's a nice way to go up there and uh have fun watch a game not get your heart torn out by the Gamecocks and enjoy one of the greatest cities uh in all the United States so I would recommend it but I just you know based on what I've heard I mean I think you'd have a hard time getting in the game now you could rent a hotel room in the Vanderbilt Marriott and watch the game from the room because it overlooks the stadium. <laughs> uh, there's no balcony, so they couldn't cheer. There's another hotel near there where you could probably watch it. But anyway, that would be an option, but that's only for diehards. Uh, I could see it now if you had a balcony and you had a game cut, you know, somebody's up there drinking beer and, got their shirt off or whatever. And, you know, I guess October in Tennessee probably wouldn't, but, you know, waving a towel, yelling, people are probably over at the stadium with no fans, you know, going, who's that jerk up there in the hotel? It's like the the Major League Two guy, Randy Quaid, the vile thing. So anyway, uh, hope you get to go to Nashville at some point, Skip. It's not, uh, it, it's not bad. Um, Philip. Emails in, do you think Gunnar Stockton will help us recruit in the class of 2022? Um, yeah. And hey, it could potentially help in 2021 as well because, you know, he's on a seven-on-seven team with a lot of guys that are 2021s. Um, maybe he could talk if there's a receiver out there or somebody. Maybe he could talk to them. The Gamecocks 
probably would not turn down a great receiver at this point. But, you know, like I said, any, any time if – you, if you're going to get a high-profile guy and you're going to want him to help you recruit this early, it's hard to do when it's a running back defensive. Those guys flip a, a lot more, you know, frequently than quarterbacks. Get a quarterback because they're the – you know, they're the, the heart and soul of the team. It's the most posi- important position on the field. So um, I do think it's going to help recruiting. I think what would help recruiting more would be for the Gamecocks to – and we talked about this in the episode earlier this week about relevance, to get more relevant. Um, it's amazing to me Will Muschamp and his staff are doing what they're doing without the relevance, with South Carolina sort of being an afterthought these days. Um and uh, that comes down to working relationships. And uh, that's why when people scoff at the ice to Eskimos thing, I don't know what the heck they expected. You know, you, like I said, you got to get, you know, to one level before you can get to another. You know, the only program in the country, the only program in the country for the last 20, 30 years that's gone from division hopeful to national championship winner that did not have a ton of tradition. Uh, is Clemson. Now, Clemson did win an 81 national title, but that was, I mean, you know, John Heisman coached there. You know, Frank Howard had some good teams. They were never national championship contenders. Um, Danny Ford won it, and and they had some good years after that. Then they went away for 20 years. They didn't even win the ACC. You know, that that's not a traditional power, you know, because like Southern Cal's down. You know, Tennessee's been down for over a decade. Um, you know, you, you look around and, and you, te- you know, so Tennessee's Florida State sort of in the wilderness right now. <laughs> Those programs will all be back at some point. Um, you know, LSU was a national power in the 50s. They went in the wilderness for two or three decades before they came back. Um, Clemson. Even though they didn't win the one national title, you know, they're kind of like historically more like BYU. I mean, they've been the big dogs in the ACC a lot, not all the time. Um, You know, good, respectful program with a lot of tradition. Nothing like they are now. Nothing like they are now. Nothing like they are now. And, And so that's the only example you know, of a team that's gone from where they were at. Think back to 1998, Clips is sitting there at three and eight. They fired Tommy West and brought in Tommy Bowden. And then Bowden got him a little bit better, still couldn't win the ACC. So there's a slow ascension there. So if you think about it, that's the only program that's done this. And so I have to use them, no matter how much it hurts you guys, as a reference point. Um, and, and what Clemson did was they, they broke through. Think about the 2009 team that did get its butt whipped by Carolina. Uh, with C.J. Spiller and all those guys, the, the, the energy that got injected into that program from going to the ACC championship game in Dabo's first full year, it, it carried over uh, on the recruiting trail because the next year was their worst team, six and seven, lost to Carolina, lost to the – you know, and at that point, Carolina people had to be feeling pretty well. And, you know, not to mention that was the second of five straight wins. Um in that series, but uh, they had a bad year, but then they went out and signed guys like Sammy Watkins, switched offenses. And then the next year they won the first ACC title in 20 years. They go to the Peach Bowl the next year, beat LSU. Then they go to the Orange Bowl, beat Ohio State. 
the next year they sort of took a dip after Boyd left because they were working Watson in. Watson gets hurt. Cole Stout was not ideal. But then they go whip Oklahoma. They had the number one defense in the country, whipped Oklahoma in the uh, Tangerine Bowl in Orlando. And that propelled them to the 2015 year where they, they made the run. 2016, they won it all. And if you look at their recruiting, they weren't recruiting like they are now back then. They would go and, and it kind of be like when Carolina gets a five-star these days. Oh, wow, how'd they get that guy? Um, and then they made good evaluations and they put guys in place and, and they celebrated their uh, intro, you know, accomplishments uh, when, they walk, when they're walking up the ladder. You know, every step of the way. I, I still remember there was a video. They talked about knocking off big time programs, and one of the one of the games they highlighted was a seven point win over Auburn. And that Auburn team, even though it was a season opener at that time, but that Auburn team ended up going three and nine and winless in the SEC. But you know, sometimes you got to just celebrate. You know, hey, you know, people talk about our schedule all the time. Well, hey, we beat Auburn, we beat LSU, we beat Florida State or Ohio State, we beat Georgia. Um, and they, they just had a plan and they kept believing in it. So, so that's, that's the only blueprint that you see now. Could there be another one? You know, I, I don't know how did LSU go from, you know, elite program that wins most years, but, but, but isn't really a championship contender to what they, well, they simply just redesigned their offense <laughs> and, and, it, and some, for some programs, it's that easy. I mean, Oh, we just uh, we've been kind of having a rock throwing contest here, and we're just going to kind of come into the 21st century and chuck it around the yard. And we've got the players, and yeah, I mean, you know, I was thinking back um, watching the 2012 LSU Carolina game the other day on replay, and and I looked at it and I was like, my God, they had Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry as their starting wideouts. <laughs> And they're in the eye playing smash mouth football. Now it worked, but, um, you know, wow. You know, so that's what LSU did. So I, you know, it, if Carolina went to that kind of offense, are they all of a sudden going to jump? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. South Carolina doesn't have the personnel that LSU does. So that, that's the thing. And then, you know, getting a guy like Gunnar Stockton, will that be kind of like the Deshaun Watson guy that, that, that raises the quarterback that raises the uh, the level of the program could be could be Luke Doty could still be Ryan Helensky could be Colin Hill who knows um but that's what you want to do on paper it absolutely is get Gunnar Stockton and absolutely is going to make an impact on recruiting um do you agree this comes in from James and this is the final question. Uh, I'll be on JB and Goldwater today for a special segment at noon, so tune into that. Uh, for those of you who listen to JB and Goldwater, it's uh, they stream it on YouTube, on um, Twitter, Facebook. It's also available in podcast format, JB and Goldwater. Uh, it's the hot and happening show in the state of South Carolina. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on it. Those guys do a great job, but I got that at noon today. Um, Mark Ryan is the host, a host in, on ESPN Upstate, where I used to have a show. Um, Mark, I've known him for years. Good guy. Just want to say that off the bat. Uh, good person. Uh, I've been going on his shows when he was on the Panhandle of Florida, you know, throughout college football. 
you know, really good guy. So I want to say that. But, but, do you agree with Mark Ryan that the Gamecocks will take um, a commitment from Gunnar Stockton uh, over Marshawn Lloyd getting hurt? You know, and and, and here was the uh, here was the uh, the tweet about it right here. It was uh, and there's all kinds of of Twitter. All right, as a Gamecock fan. If you had the the choice of accepting all the events of today or none, which one would you choose? In other words, you have to choose, you know, um, Marshawn getting hurt together. I mean, it's kind of a stupid thing. Um, and, and I'll tell you this right now. Uh, their premise was, all right, so, so I guess the premise of this was, and I, I couldn't find the original tweet. I guess he deleted it. The original thing was I would take getting a commitment from Gunnar Stockton uh, every day and twice on Sunday if if it meant Marshawn Lloyd getting hurt. And, of course, it comes across as insensitive because, you know, you never want to talk about people getting hurt and all that. Here's why I think it's stupid, because you don't ever, 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 you know, place recruiting two years down the road with a guy that's on your team now that's about to lace it up in 35 days because you know a lot can change in two years and god bless the star rating system and i believe gunner stockton is a five-star quarterback but that doesn't mean anything Marshawn Lloyd has been in the program since January, kicking ass and taking names. Marshawn Lloyd in a college practice has, you know, shown exactly what he's made of. Now the pads never came on, but, you know, Marshawn Lloyd would have helped Carolina win football games and made big plays against big time teams this year. Gunnar Stockton is going to help with recruiting and Gunnar Stockton is going to help them win games down the road. But under no circumstances would I take a five-star 22 quarterback, 2022 quarterback right now over having Marshawn Lloyd on the roster this year. And it's not even really about, you know, win right now. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd's a guy that, you know, could help Carolina win. Hey, Marshawn Lloyd could end up playing with Gunnar Stockton, so it's probably going to end up being both. So it's kind of a dumb hypothetical. I don't know if Mark realized it was a 2022 kid. Um I think they're both, you know, it would be better, obviously, if Marshawn Lloyd was was not hurt. Um, but if I had to take one or the other, Gunnar Stockton holds off on his commitment, but Marshawn Lloyd's not hurt. I'm taking Marshawn Lloyd and not even questioning. And I, and I don't think that anybody that understands football, and this is not to say Mark doesn't understand football. Don't don't go run into Twitter going, hey, James, he said he didn't have me. Don't do that. Please just leave me out of this. Because like I said, Mark's a good guy and a friend of mine. But I think I, I think that there was not a lot of thought that went into that, other than service level. Maybe let's stir the pot, that kind of thing. And look, that's his job to stir the pot. You know, uh, me and uh, G Mac when we were on that show, Greg McKinney, we didn't stir the pot enough. We didn't stir the pot enough, especially on social media. So um, I know in that building, his bosses and, and folks like that, they want kind of a, an edgy thing. 
Um, cause they're having, you know, they compete against the Clemson station. That's just kind of all nuts and bolts, Clemson stuff all the time. So look, not mad at Mark Ryan about it. Do I agree with him, James? Absolutely not. I thought it was, you know, asinine, <laughs> uh, but Hey, uh, I'm, I, I yammer here on a podcast every day. I got a college football podcast with Mike Morgan. I'm a guest on a lot of shows. I am positive that I yammer on and say some asinine stuff from time to time too, but that's asinine. I mean, well, you know, and if, if you said, if your pick was Gunnar Stockton, that's asinine as well, because if you're out there in, in listening land and you're like, Oh, well, yeah, I take Gunnar Stockton step back because you're putting way too much emphasis on recruiting. <laughs> Recruiting's great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think Gamecock fans should be super fired up about Gunnar Stockton. Super fired up, super fired up. And it was a great piece of good news on a day that was just like, man, what else could happen? <laughs> In a year where you're like, man, what else could happen? Um, somebody on the big, the big Spur message board wrote that uh, the question was, are, are Gamecock fans part of a massive government-sponsored psychological experiment? <laughs> I was like, sometimes I feel that way. And I'm like, yeah, you know. But anyway, that's uh, that's the deal there. I, it's just, uh, to me, there's no question. Marshawn Lloyd's here now in college. You know, you can worry about who the 2022 quarterback is in the long, you know, for a while, you know, down the road. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, there's a season to play uh, in 35 days, hopefully. I keep saying hopefully because I think – there's some out there that have their fingers crossed that they still, uh, you know, still end up letting them, you know, cancel because they want it to be canceled. Uh, from Bucknuts 24-7 in Chicago, Illinois, Big Ten parents from various schools are out there chanting, let us play, let us play, out in front of Big Ten, Big Ten headquarters in Chi-Town. I'm glad to see that. I think uh, parents – you're talking about their kids. They know best. Uh, and, and I think they were cut out of that conversation by people that believe they know best. Um, and, and before you say, well, what about the medical experts? And, the, you know, people, what about science? Well, I'm going to quote Mike Leach, and he's absolutely right. He said the other day, the science, you know, you can get whatever answer you want with this thing. And he's absolutely correct. And the, the decisions the conferences have made absolutely reinforce that. Um, and look, so I'm not going to get into all that today. That's uh, if there's a lull in practice coverage or something and, and all that, we, <laughs> we can dive back into that, but that's the big 10 and let them figure it out. We're in the SEC, ACC, big 12 triumvirate triumvirate. Is that right? Is that a word? I'm screwing things up. See? Asinine statements, like I told you. All right. So that was the mailbag. Please send in mailbag questions. I will read them. I love them. I, I actually – it's not a live show, so I don't have a phone line. Uh, I may think about getting a phone line. Maybe you guys can call and leave in a little, uh, hey, man, what about it? Uh, or something like that. I'm worried I get some profane phone calls, though. That's why I don't do, like, Zoom calls with members because – I'm pretty sure I'd get like a, you know, there'd probably be something that was weird on there. Some haters out there, man. Uh, but yeah, it's inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. 
or simply get on Twitter and tweet at us. Just go at the Big Spur Pod, and I'll read it right off Twitter, and we'll retweet it from our accounts and get you some followers and all that good stuff. So that's if you have a, a Twitter ego, you know, tweet at us, and we'll get you get you out there, get you some pub. Um, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Uh, we're also on Spotify. We're also on the Stitcher podcasting app, um, Podbean, and some other things like that out there. Um, go rate us five stars in the uh, in the uh, iTunes store or whatever. I keep calling it iTunes, but I'm worried if I come off iTunes, folks, that you know you guys are old used to calling it iTunes too. Uh, the, the Apple Podcast isn't going to like resonate, you know. So, so I want you to be sure you know where you go. If you're, on, I'll, I'll just say this: if you have an iPhone and your iPhone or iPad is where you normally listen to podcasts. It's just simply the podcasts app that's right there on on that. And they call it Apple Pods now. So anyway, when you go and subscribe, and it's free, there's nothing, there's no pay on that. People are like, subscribe. I don't have any money. Yeah, there's there's no fee. Um, just go uh just go down to the reviews, rate it five stars, say I like this podcast. And that helps, you know, in the in the Gamecock podcast ecosystem for this one which is relatively new to to go up and i would appreciate it and uh also i mentioned at the big spur pod that's our twitter account uh go ahead and follow that too that's the the inside the gamecast podcast twitter account of course there's at the big spur 247 for the big spur.com again vip memberships on sale you get to interact with me and john whittle and tony morell and helma granahan and john del bianco uh, Carrie Wrench and our entire cast of characters each and every day on our message board. So that's a lot of fun, folks. That's a lot more fun than Twitter. Uh, the message board crowd, people always talk about, ah, there's, there's just crap on message boards. Not as much crap as Twitter. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, because it's moderated, it's private and all that good stuff. All right, so I'm out of here. I hope everybody has a really good weekend. Um, I'll be back first of next week, unless there's something else that breaks. And then maybe we'll have another emergency podcast. Who knows? Um, all right. Thank you to Hill for Hill McGranahan. Thank you to Hill McGranahan for coming on earlier. Um, thank you for all you Gamecocks for listening. This is JC Sherbert. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and we'll holla at you soon as always.